Welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Ben. And I'm Sarah. Thank you for listening to us today. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm doing all right. I am trying out a new recipe from the Lord of the Rings inspired cookbook I have for pickled peaches. Neat. Yeah. Uh, apparently they go really good with like different kinds of cheeses and like meats and stuff. So I'm thinking that like this is a perfect excuse for putting together a charcuterie board. Got it. Well, we are recording this just before Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we've got a family dinner coming up uh, and it's a busy weekend and just a lot going on. Because it's October, we always have a lot going on this time of year. What are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? I'm thankful that we survived COVID. Yes. I'm thankful for all the people in my life. I think if I could have one wish, it would be for all the people in my life to know just how much I love them and how important they are to me. And you know, you can just tell them, right? I do, but do they believe me? Ah, I um, believe you. Good. And of course, as always, I'm very thankful for our listeners who are always really supportive and awesome. Yes, um, I couldn't have said it better myself for what I am also thankful for this year. And I hope that whether you're Canadian or not, you're having a good weekend and uh, take some time to feel thankful for the things you have in your life. Today, I am thankful for listener James Vicary, who is the reason we're watching the movie we're watching today. Yeah, thank you so much, James. We really appreciate you reaching out. So to give the backstory, um, we are watching some Japanese horror movies. And last week's episode, I originally planned to be covering a movie called Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi from 1959, directed by Masaki Mori. Uh, Ghost of Kagami Pond is how this is normally translated. Very similar title to Kaiden Kasane Gafuchi, which is Ghost of Kasane Swamp, mm-hmm. um, but a different movie. I... Ended up not being able to find a copy uh, because the copy on YouTube that we were going to watch got taken down before we could do the episode. I reached out to our listeners, said like, hey, if anyone knows how I can get a copy of this, uh, please let me know. We watched Invisible Invaders to kind of give us some buffer time. And then it didn't work out. And last week's episode we did on Yatsia Kaiden from 1959, which was going to be the next movie. So of course, with that episode in the can, Listener James Vicari came out of the woodwork to provide us with a copy of Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi, uh, which we'd been looking for. So we're going to cover that movie this week. And you were saying it came out the same day. It came out the same day. They both came out July 1st. So we're, we're like pretty justified in handling it whatever way we wanted. Yeah. So we're still chronological order. Exactly. We're all good. Yeah. Um, I originally thought I'd do this before Yatsia Kaiden because right after like next week's movie is going to be Tokaido Yatsia Kaiden. And I figured having those two next to each other would allow us to like 
really, you know, get in deep on comparing contrasting. But this way also works because now we have a break between our two different Yatsia Kaidens um, with this other Kaiden. So this is a film from Shintoho Studios, um, which is the same studio that backed director Masaki Mori's version of Yatsia Kaiden in 1956. Yeah. If folks are curious to know more about that movie, you can head over to episode 191 and take a listen. It's also currently ranked at number 152. And uh, Shinto has also been the studio that's been cranking out these Nobuo Nakagawa horror movies. They're also going to be the studio behind Nobuo Nakagawa's upcoming 1959 Tokaido Yatsuya Kaiden. Mm. Um, so Masaki Mori, who directed... The 56 Yatsia Kaiden and is directing this movie. You can learn more about him in that previous episode that Sarah just mentioned. Um, but he's been cranking out lots of movies in the three years in between. Very much a like journeyman workers director at Shintoho during a period when that studio was just cranking out B movies to compete with the other Japanese studios of the time. Yeah, speaking of like competing, so we did talk about how. Next week's movie, Takaido Yatsuo Kaiden, would have been like them trying to capitalize on Yatsuo Kaiden. Would Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi be trying to capitalize on Yatsuo Kaiden at all because they are both ghost stories and horror movies? What we're seeing here in the late 1950s in Japan is kind of just like a a real resurgence of these like ghost story movies. Um, we've got these versions of Yatsia Kaiden. We've got all these other kind of Kaidens. We've got a lot of ghost cat movies that came out in the fifties. We covered black cat mansion on the show a few episodes ago. And in that episode, we mentioned that like there were a ton of these ghost cat movies, um, coming out, but we haven't been able to like track them down. So we're not going to watch movies we can't find. Right. But there was a lot of this stuff. Um, basically because of a need for like cheap B movies on familiar themes, Um, But then, of course, also like the Hammer movies like Horror of Dracula coming out in Japan and being big hits. Um, What I found very interesting about this movie when I looked into it is it is based on a story uh, by a writer named Encho Sanyutei, who also wrote the play that Kaiden Kasane Gafuchi was based on. Oh. Um, And if you go back to our episode on Kaiden Kasane Gafuchi, uh, episode 214B, uh, we talk a bit more about Encho Sanyute in that episode. He was a Meiji period author who cranked out like a ton of popular ghost stories, uh, plays, novels, what have you. Yeah, he, uh, if I remember correctly, he was like, stuff that's popular, yeah, I want to do that because I want money. Yeah, um, I think his most famous work is Kaiden Botan Doro, which is the ghost of the haunted lantern which has been made into a movie a bunch of times as well. So yeah, this is from the same author as Kasane Gafuchi. So we're definitely seeing like formulaic works. Yeah. Like this is like, if you were going like, Oh man, this like Transmorphers movie really seems like a cheap ripoff of Transformers. And then you found out it was also Michael Bay. (laughs) You're like, wait, but yeah. So I sort of talked about this movie a little bit last week when I thought we weren't going to be able to watch it, but it hits a lot of the standard formulaic tropes for this kind of story. So I guess we'll be comparing it pretty directly with kind of the bigger budget, more prestige Yatsia Kaiden that we watched last week, um, as well as the cheaper B-movie Yatsia Kaiden we'll be watching 
next week. Both of those movies were in color. This is a black and white movie. This okay. is a tear down on the production quality scale. But uh, yeah, thank you so much to James Vicary for providing us with a English subtitled copy that we could watch. Listeners, if you want to watch along, hopefully you have a James Vicari in your life who can send you a copy. Otherwise, um, I guess you're out of luck. <laughs> you're going to hear a brief musical interlude, and when we come back, we will discuss Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi from 1959, directed by Masaki Mori. See you on the other side, everybody. Scream scene, we just finished watching Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi from 1959, directed by Masaki Mori. Ben, what did you think? This was a movie. Why do you say it like that? It lasted 60 minutes. It took up time. Things happened in it. It it was on film. Yes. Uh, I thought this was all right. You know, it was fine. Okay. Yeah, I think fine sums up my feelings for it as well okay (laughs) um that makes it sound like we really didn't like it though stuff just keeps happening yeah in this movie it's very much like an and then story Mm -hmm. well how about i go through the plot synopsis and i'll try to avoid and thens all right we'll see how you do so we mainly follow this uh, one fabric shop um, that I'm sure has a name, but... Ijimaya. But they kept calling it, like, the Ijimaya. Yeah. Like, so that it's, like, the fabric shop. Yeah. Okay. It is run by a guy named Yemen, which bodes well, right? Uh, and his wife. Uh, it is managed by a guy named Kinbei. Um, and they also have a new guy working here. His name is Yasujiro. Now, Yasujiro is, like, doing a stand-up job, and um, Yemen's wife, whose name I didn't catch, uh, convinces Yemen to adopt Yasujiro into the family. Around the same time as this, um, Yasujiro runs into his old childhood friend, Okiku, uh, meeting again in Edo. She is here shopping with her friend Osato and Osato's mother for Osato's wedding, uh, basically looking for a wedding kimono. And Yasujiro's like... Oh, well, like, I work at a fabric shop. Come stop by. Kinbei ends up selling them some fabric for the wedding kimono. Uh, turns out that it's, like, not the best quality, though. Uh, we do see someone come by into the shop to be like, this is shoddy merchandise. And at first you think she's just going to be like, Karen. But uh, no, she she's fully in her right as a <laughs> consumer to be like, this shit's terrible. Now, Kinbei overhears... Uh, Gaiman and his wife discussing, you know, adopting Yasujiro with the hopes that, like, Yasujiro will then marry Okiku and then, like, the store will be run by this, like, married couple. And Kinbei's like, I've been managing here for 10 years and they're just going to cut me out. So he wants to kind of sabotage Yasujiro um, and his prospects at the at the shop. So one night... Kenbei goes and he robs Yasujiro when he's returning back with like 15 ryo. 
Which is enough to feed a person for two years. Yeah, it's a lot of money. That same night is also Osato's wedding, and her kimono tears during the, like, reception because it's bad fabric. And the family that she's marrying into is so offended that they call off the wedding and they don't want anything to do with her. So near all of this, and we pass by it a few times, is Kagami Pond. And so Osato, in her wedding gown, goes and she's planning to drown herself in this pond when Kinbei comes by, having just robbed Yasujiro, and she's like, it's all your fault, so now I'm going to kill you with this butcher knife, it turns out I have. They struggle, and Kinbei actually ends up killing Osato, and then he dumps her body into the pond. Now, Yasujiro is on the hook for this 15 ryo, and so... His uh, dad is like, okay, well, I'll give them the family sword. That has to be worth at least 15 ro. So Yasujiro's dad is like coming over with the sword. Uh, and Kinbei knows about this. And he attacks Yasujiro's dad and steals the sword uh, and dumps the body into the pond. To further kind of muck up Yasujiro's prospects at the family establishment kinbei gets his girlfriend onaka in to serve as a maid um and she gets close to yemen now yemen shows himself to not be the most stand-up person because uh at one point you know okiku is trying to be like a good daughter-in-law um and he tries to rape her she gets away thanks to uh, a haunting but um, <laughs> but Onaka basically says, no, I'll bone down with you as the maid. When Yemen's wife confronts Onaka, they have a struggle and Onaka pushes the wife down the well. Uh, and Onaka becomes the new wife. If that's how marriage works, man, we're never getting a maid. That was a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you didn't laugh, so. <laughs> um, okay. So with Onaka as the new wife, she convinces Yemen that Okiku and Yasujiro need to divorce because uh, she starts this rumor that Okiku is carrying on with uh, some other dude in the village. So Yemen is like, you guys need to divorce. Okiku doesn't fight against it because she thinks it's because she didn't sleep with him. Now, Okiku's kind of like out on the street and Kinbei's like no don't worry you can come work at my friend's tea house don't worry he's my friend so he won't attack you (laughs) um turns out Kinbei actually just like sells her to the tea house owner uh for 15 ru now Kinbei is off to go travel for work to like sell stuff in like another town so he heads out and he gets lost in the mountains um because he is continually haunted by Osato Uh, So he takes refuge in this nearby mountain hut. Turns out the person living here is Osato's mom. She goes to try to kill him, and he ends up pushing her into the fire face first. Now we see that Okiku uh, gives birth to a little boy. Um, The tea house owner's pissed because, you know, she got here when she was pregnant. He had no idea and didn't get any work out of her. So he goes to tell Yasujiro what's happened to basically be like, you know, pay me money to get your wife and kid back. And in doing that, Yasujiro learns that Kinbei is behind like all of his recent troubles. So he goes to confront Kinbei at the same time that um, Kinbei, Onaka, and Yemen 
are like poisoning and killing a shop owner that um for reasons that are like way too complicated the shop owner owes uh yemen money and yemen was really hoping the shop owner wouldn't be able to pay up but he could so rather than take his money back he kills him because if he wanted the shop yeah which was the collateral so yeah these are all terrible people yeah all terrible people so (laughs) yes ujira walks in and the store owner is like dead on the floor so kinbei's like well no witnesses and goes to use the sword that he stole from yasujiro's dad and yasujiro's like you killed my dad too what the fuck so before kinbei is able to like go and attack yasujiro the haunting fully ramps up uh ramp is an odd word to actually use but i will get into that in the discussion so throughout all of this Osato has been haunting Kinbei, also a little bit of haunting on Onaka. There's been some haunting on Yemen, and it's mainly been focused on Osato. But at this climax, Osato, uh, the wife, and Yasujiro's dad all start haunting Kinbei specifically. Osato's mom shows up. Everybody who got killed yeah, starts haunting. Starts haunting. Um, and in this haunting, uh, Kinbei ends up killing Onaka and Yemen through the classic, like, ghost is there, he attacks, and suddenly it's a person. And in this haunting, Kinbei ends up going mad a little bit, and he's a little bit in a, in a stupor. And so he's walking around, he ends up walking by Kagami Pond, and he is inundated with the, the voices of the dead echoing all around him. And so he ends up walking into the pond. And then we see that Yasujiro and Okiku are reunited with her son and all is well for them. The end. The end. So the reason why I was like, mm, I don't know if ramp, like ramping up to this climax is the right word, because while I like that the haunting begins right away, it's focused with Osato going after Kinbei and kind of like anyone who works at the shop, but it's like too much too soon and there's no ramping up after that, really. Well, the, the problem is, is that this is the least effective haunting of all time. What do you mean by that? Well, so, as you say, we get the ghost like 15 minutes into this movie. Uh, the movie's an hour long. Osato dies. She starts haunting Kinbei. And the way that the hauntings like work is, you know, the story's going along. And then every once in a while... Osato will show up and be like, Kinbei, how could you do this to me? Shlup, shlup, shlup. And that's the sound of the, her water soaked kimono. Yes. And occasionally, like, it'll be Yemen's wife haunting Onaka, like, Onaka, how could you do this to me? And these ghosts show up, people scream and freak out, and then they just go back to doing what they're doing. Yeah, they cut to them continuing to be shitty people. Right. And so despite like haunting after haunting, the bad guys keep doing bad things as if the hauntings aren't happening. So like you could cut all of the haunting scenes until the ending out of the movie and they wouldn't make any kind of difference. Like nobody's behavior, no elements of the story are being changed by these hauntings occurring, which is not good. Yeah. Like structurally speaking for the telling of a story. 
Yeah, it's that's why I'm like, I think that they ramped things up too early or like showed too much too early. Because if the haunting had been like spooky slurpy sounds or spooky like happenings where you can't really explain, but it's not quite enough for people to go like jumping up and screaming, that would make the structure kind of make sense for why they're continuing to be shitty people. But if you have someone coming to you who you've killed and their spirit coming to you saying like, why did you do this to me? You'd think that there would be more uh, change to their behavior. Yeah, this is sort of the opposite of the problem that you had with Kenji Misumi's Yatsuya Kaiden, where you really didn't like how long it took that movie to get to the horror part um, because it spends like 65% of its runtime setting up all of the melodrama. Here we have like, an intercutting of the melodrama and the horror where we're getting horror throughout. And it's like, see, like here's all your, your ghost stuff that you wanted, but it's not good if those things are so disconnected as they are in this Mm -hmm. movie. I will say my favorite sequence for the haunting is when Kenbei is at Osado's mom's hut, Mm. because it felt very like nightmarish. He goes in because he's been like, followed by Osado's ghosts through the mountains. And he slowly realizes that that's Osado's mom. And Osado's mom slowly realizes that that's the clerk that sold him the shitty kimono. And it comes to like a head with like him thinking that she and Osado's ghosts are attacking him. But then he wakes up having slept the night at the hut and Mm -hmm. overhears Osado's mom like cursing the store. And it's like really confusing in a good way of like well what is real like what actually happened when he arrived before he actually went to sleep and it just felt very like effective but then the movie keeps going after that yeah i think there's some fun details and moments here and there like i really like the wet trails that the ghosts leave behind because they were like dumped in a pond um little things like that are really nice but I think the direction in this movie is, for the most part, really boring. I think it it is effectively moody. Yes, there's there's moodiness, but like so often things are framed as just like here's a medium wide shot, yeah, with the characters kind of tussling in front of the camera for a while. Like this movie's just kind of a way to kill an hour and not a lot more. Like to be fair, that's all they kind of wanted it to be. Yes, but. The characters are just also very one note. Yeah. Like Kinbei is just kind of an evil jerk. And And it was like, why are you killing Yasujiro's dad? Like, wouldn't they know that you're the one walking with like, him? Like, wh- why are you doing so much of this? Like, um, the whole thing is like Kinbei's been the manager there for so long and they're passing over him to give the shop to Yasujiro because Yasujiro is getting married and the shop owner and his wife want the shop to go to a married couple. So then... Kinbei goes to complain about this to, to his, his girlfriend. girlfriend who he's told, I'm not going to marry you until I inherit the shop. That's just because he wanted to get with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I get like that he's, he's an asshole a dude. And, and that was never like his intent was never to marry her. But it's still weird because it's like, well, then if the thing holding you back from getting the shop is that they want a married couple to do it, just tell them that you're going to marry Onaka. Like it, he's just a jerk and then like Yasujiro is just like this like guileless good guy who has really no personality trait other than like innocence 
And so many people are just unreasonable. Like yes. maybe there's something with like a, a lack of cultural context, but Osato's like uh, bridegroom's family yeah, yeah, yeah. being like your kimono tour. How dare you? Yeah. The, the, the thing to understand with the kimono thing, not that this like justifies this kind of behavior, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like the idea is that the bridegroom's family gave Osato's mother the money to buy the kimono and it's a cheap kimono. So they think that she swindled them. Right. Yeah. That's the idea. But like, also just like hear out. Oh yeah. No, they're, they're total assholes for sure. The most reasonable character in this movie is like, the brothel owner somehow because like well he's still shitty he's shitty sure but like you know he comes to yasujiro and he's like hey man like listen and he also calls kinbei on his shit yeah he's like kinbei you're a terrible person but then yeah he goes to yasujiro and he's like listen like your uh your wife is at my tea house and i can't use her because she's pregnant and she just had a kid and stuff so like give me the money that i paid for her and you can have her back and Yasujiro's like, well, can I at least like see her? And he's like, no, you can give me the money first. <laughs> like, yeah. bad person, but like, okay, at least I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> he's just a, he, he's just, um, <laughs> he's just a capitalist. He's just a capitalist. But like, what I mean by pointing this out is that there's none of the depth, yeah, to these characters that the versions. Well, it's a pond. Right. How do all these people keep drowning in it? Um, <laughs> there's none of the depth to these characters that the versions of Yatsia Kaiden try to give their characters. Like even Masaki Mori's version of Yatsia Kaiden, the characters had more depth than this. And I don't know if that's just an advantage of the fact that Yatsia Kaiden's such a well-known story that we're starting with like a base level knowledge about the characters. So the, anything the movie adds onto that base level of knowledge feels like depth, but this is based on a novel or a play or something from the same writer who did Kaiden Kasani Gafuchi, which was very similar kind of story. But Kaiden Kasani Gafuchi by Nobuo Nakagawa was much better than this. And it it still followed these very formulaic beats that this movie follows, but the characters had more depth. The story had more going on. Um, That was another movie where we found that like, it was very soap opera melodrama for like half the movie. And we were like, is this really horror or not? And then it ramped up the horror at the end. So I think that's just kind of the standard structure to these Kaiden films. And this desire that we've had for like some of that haunting stuff to come in earlier, this movie satisfies that, but it also shows us why that doesn't really work. Cause it makes all the characters look like idiots. Yeah. Well, I don't really have much else to say about this movie. Okay, cool. Let's move on to ranking. Okay. So, Ben, to your point, um, Karinko Sanigafuchi from Nobuo Nakagawa, you mentioned before we covered it in episode 214B, it is currently ranked at number 73. And then the last thing we saw from this director was the 1956 Yatsuo Kaiden. That is currently ranked at number 152. When I was looking at ranking, I started, like, I, I looked at those two, and I agree that um, Kasane Gafuchi is better than this one. Thinking about this director's Yatsuo Kaiden, I felt that he did better at Yatsuo Kaiden. Maybe it's because, you know, tried and true formula, they weren't trying to do kind of something new, like, it, they knew what they wanted to do with adapting something that's been adapted several several times 
So looking below um, the 56 Yatsuya Kaiden, we have things like Lady and the Monster, Invisible Man's Revenge, The Climax, Voodoo Man, and then we get down to 158, The Return of Dr. X. Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi is more of a horror movie than The Return of Dr. X. Sorry, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, so my range is quite small. It's 152 to 156, uh, with my floor being Voodoo Man. Okay. I'm looking below you. Okay. And that's because below Return of Dr. X, we have stuff like Mystery of the Wax Museum, The Mummy. Yeah. Genuina. Like, this is much more of a horror movie than those, even though the structure uh, has problems like what we see with The Devil Doll. I think that these are better movies than Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi. The problem I have with Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi is that like, it's so very paint by numbers and there's just watching it was just like, and then this next thing happens, which I did avoid in the plot. I didn't go and then, and then, and then. So I found myself a little spot, which was uh, about 50 places lower than you. So I looked all the way down to um, Song at Midnight, which is at 205. Below Song at Midnight is Bride of the Gorilla, which has Raymond Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed Bride of the Gorilla, which is a terrible movie, more than I enjoyed Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi, um, because Bride of the Gorilla is like weirdly taboo in its like... Yeah, it's still like paint by numbers in terms of its structure, but what it's talking about yeah. feels taboo yeah below bride of the gorilla however is jungle captive which is one of those um paula dupree movies yeah. uh so i picked out 207 as my spot for this below bride of the gorilla and above jungle captive i feel like that's actually a fairly good spot like between our ranges is around like in the 180s where we have some movies that, you know, struggled with structure for different reasons, like Beast with a Million Eyes, The She-Creature, even like Giant from the Unknown. But I think it's really interesting what you've touched on here about lacking taboo-ness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is an extremely safe movie. Yeah, to the point where, like, I think for its cultural context of the kimono ripping and people being kind of unreasonable like that in that cultural context sure maybe that would seem like a reasonable thing but it's also so like in the broader scope of what else happens like that's what's going to drive someone to be like no you're not part of my family anymore well yeah and then like you know all of the crimes here are so petty yeah. Um, all of the like emotions here are so petty. And, and while I do love hearing about petty shit <laughs> and being a little petty, like maybe not the best thing to have a horror movie around. Yeah. And, you know, even like Osato's ghost appearance, like there's the uniqueness of her being like dripping wet all the time. But then she also gets like a forehead injury up above her eye to give her like an Oiwa look, you know, it's very derivative. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm good with your spot. Okay. So then entering the list at the new number 207, below Bride of the Gorilla, above Jungle Captive, is Kaiden Kagami Gafuchi from 1959, directed by Masaki Mori. If you would like to see this list, you can go to our website, ScreamScenePodcast.com. There you can find links to the many episodes we have mentioned today, as well as our appeals box. 
If you would like to contest this or any other ranking, you can drop us a line through our Ask Box on Tumblr. You can reach out over email at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com or over Twitter at underscore screamscene. Scream Scene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can listen to us however you like by subscribing to our RSS feed. And you can help the show out by leaving us a rating and a review, telling a friend about the show, or heading over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Patrons help us out with paying our hosting fees, um, taking the time out to research and record these episodes. Uh, your financial contributions really mean a lot to us. And if you're at the 5 or $10 levels, you also get access to regular bonus content. Patrons of all levels get to vote in our monthly horror-adjacent bonus episode polls, the winner of which for October... Oh, we talked about this. It's uh, the adventures of Ichabod Ica- Crane and Mr. Toad. Right, yes. And uh, we'll be having the next poll for November's bonus episode up um, now. Yeah. And uh, you can vote for that as well. Yeah, so watch out for that bonus episode that'll be coming out. And of course, in October, there's always all kinds of extra bonus content. Um, do you want to tease what you're doing this year, Sarah? Uh, so I will be doing another audiobook adaptation of a short story uh, that is quite spooky, if I do say so myself. And then we're also going to be doing a uh, sort of bonus episode. Yes. That's like a Patreon exclusive. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, so check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for all of that. Now, we've kind of uh, mentioned it already, but uh, what are we watching next week? Yeah, so our next episode is going to be on Tokaido Yatsuya Kaiden from 1959, directed by Nobuo Nakagawa. Well, we will see you then, Creatures of the Night. Bye! Bye! Bye.